we were in college. Um, so I'd say I was 20 when I met her. Um, and we met through friends. And I lived in the upstairs apartment with two of my girlfriends. And she lived in the downstairs apartment of this house with her boyfriend and another person. So we were kind of housemates. She bartended with one of my roommates and I was at home and they burst into the apartment and they were like, Hey, can, you know, so-and-so borrows, borrow an outfit. And I was like, of course, like, I, yeah, of course, here's my closet. And so for her, it was like, whoa, like this girl I don't even know is just like, you know, raid her closet, but it was just like, whatever, I don't care. And so we all started hanging out after that. What was it that attracted you to her? Me to her, I think it was just proximity and that we were in the same group. You know, the first red flag was in college. You know, we would go in and out of each other's houses, like whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no boundaries when we're younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Right. And and that's the thing, no boundaries. Like, you know, coming from the theater, we're very comfortable Mm -hmm. with our bodies. You know, we're changing costume backstage in front of who knows who. And and everyone was downstairs watching a movie. And I I needed something from someone. And I had just gotten out of the shower getting ready for a show. So I wrapped myself in a towel and ran downstairs. She said I was hitting on her boyfriend. Mm, from a different, but she's from a different culture. Because in the culture of theater, we go, no, this is just life. But in the, or the right, this is just, yeah. this is just life. Like, in what world am I coming down to seduce your boyfriend? Like, and she tried to turn the whole house mm. against me. And I stopped hanging out because I was like, this wow. is absurd. I believe I had to apologize. So, so you did. So you did. A, and what made you apologize? I, I hate living in tension. I could feel it down the stairs, just like emanating through the floorboards. And it's like, I can't, I can't be in peace. So, you know, I made peace, but that was the first, the first red flag. We didn't become really close until after college. She often had work in Chicago. And so we would meet up. What did you do when she'd come to Chicago? Um, I think it was very exciting for her to visit me in the city because I'd take her out dancing or she'd come see shows and, and, and that was support. She'd come and watch my shows that I was in. And after the shows, would she compliment you and support your work? And no. And, and oftentimes there would be commentary, like if you want to succeed at something, you have to choose one because I've always been interested in many things. And then it soon became like the verbiage was I was her best friend. I've noticed that I have a pattern that people who mm, feel a certain way about me, I feel like I need to reciprocate that feeling, even if it's not an authentic feeling for me. Mm-hmm. It's like if someone says that, you know, oh, you know, I love you so much. Mm-hmm. I have to be like, well, I love you too. But I don't pause and go, do I really love this mm-hmm. person? Like, are they deserving of my mm-hmm. love? Mm-hmm. How, when she was coming to Chicago, what happened that it started to shift? Like, what was the, was there a specific catalyst or a big turning point? I would say the moment I met my husband, my now husband, 
she's the relationship started to shift. She, she used to be a ton of fun. And though she was controlling with me, um, it wasn't yet to a point that it was uncomfortable. But once I found my husband, because I was always the, the single exciting friend in the city, you know, and then I found someone who I loved and got serious about and she but she would say things and it shifted was the relationship really about having fun and meeting men while you would go out did that ever happen well she was in a serious relationship okay she's she was always in one serious relationship or another and i was always free and single and flitting around and so when it shifted for me um she was just getting married mm-hmm. i think that and, and I hate to say it like this because it sounds so conceited, but I think that she saw things in my relationship that she was lacking in hers. She got real touchy, just really touchy. Um, things weren't easy anymore. It was, or she'd make comments, my husband, that my husband's smile isn't very bright. But if I ever said anything, anything re- that could possibly be remotely offensive to her, it would be like the end of the world. So we, we moved to San Francisco. So I saw her less. So the, the behavior, the behavior of being insulting to your husband (laughs) happened before you moved and then you moved. And then what happened after you moved? And then after I moved, so I have a tricky relationship with my mother, who is in Michigan, and, and so is this previous friend, is in Michigan. Whenever I would visit home, my mother is uh, emotionally abusive. My friend would be the safe space to go because inevitably something would happen and I'd have to flee. Um, or she would be the one who'd pick me up before visiting the rest of the family. So when we came to Michigan and they had just bought this beautiful home for, you know, a very reasonable price, you know, we were just like, oh my gosh, like your home is beautiful. You know, I can't believe you got it for this price. Like in San Francisco, we pay blah, blah, blah. And she took offense to that and said that we were, we were being uppity. Mm, But she heard it different. She heard it in a slanted way. How did you feel about yourself when you were in the relationship? And how did you see the relationship? Like how, what was your mindset before you were like, I'm out. I see what's happening. Yeah. For a long time, I, I would make it a point to call her daily so that she knew she was valued because she expected to be valued. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was that was how, I guess, Mm -hmm. but it became like this compulsory so that she's not mad at me to call. And then I would find myself just like on edge on the phone, like rambling almost because I didn't want to say something that would offend armpit sweating, like, (laughs) like, like not at all how I am with my, my true best friend. You know, that I just call and I'm like, ugh, I've had a shit day. But if I would say that to her, it would be like, I think she would, she would expect me instead of just like venting 
to to do something about it like well then leave him if you've had a shit day with him and i'm like everybody has a shit day with a significant other and she came to visit me in san francisco and i think was this before after that comment about the housing after after she after. came to visit she after. came to stay with us and i had just finished graduate school and i felt adrift I didn't have the theater, which I'd had for so long. I didn't have graduate school, which I'd had for so long. Now looking back, I had just been bit by a tick and Lyme disease was setting in. So I was feeling not myself. I was feeling very vulnerable, very adrift, very um, like, what am I doing? You know, I had not secured a job yet. She came uh, around Christmas and looking back, it was like, gosh, I was so worried about judgment because I was furiously cleaning our tiny apartment, just on my hands and knees scrubbing. And still, when she came to visit, she would get out the broom and, and sweep and like, like it's not good enough. And then it was my husband's mm -hmm. um, work holiday party and I had chosen a dress and you know, I'm very comfortable in my body and it was a sexy dress. And she looked at me and said, you are an embarrassment for your husband. This is not how someone dresses in the corporate world. And then I said, well, you know, perhaps in your corporate world, you have to wear a certain thing. But in my husband's world, you can wear what you want. I said, it might be different, you know, city versus rural. And again, me saying like a comment like that was now I'm talking down on her life. And then one night toward the end, she just said, what are you doing? Like, you need to get a job and start paying rent. So you, so, you know, you're, so you're, he was my boyfriend at the time. Your boyfriend can respect you. And so it just felt like in my most vulnerable, she came in and kicked me instead of lifting me up. And it wasn't until I started crying that she was like, oh, that's not what I mean. She left. And did she leave on a, would she say, would you say she thought it was on a good note? Yeah. And then what was that processing like for you? Was that when you decided this is it? No. Okay. So it can, I, hey, and let me just, let me just say this very clearly. I know you to be a very, very strong woman. And we have blind spots. Yeah, we absolutely do. When I have someone telling me that they need me and love me, my parents divorced when I was very young yeah. and I became the adult in the household at 10 years old. And so it was always, mm. oh, you need me? I'm there. You, you need me to do this? I can take mm -hmm. care of that. I can take care of you emotionally. I can take care of you physically. I've got it. So when I hear someone say like, I love you, you're my best friend. Like I, I need you. I pull up my bootstraps and say, okay, I'm here. Even when it's damaging to me. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like, um, I feel like we do time travel without recognizing we're time traveling. Like we go back to the time we were we were a child because it's still in us. And how do we, you know, how do we 
we move past that and let that go. And um, survival skills cer certainly served us as for a long time until. Well, and looking back to her personality is very much like my father's. I spent much of my childhood and early adulthood um, trying to gain that love and affection from my father. Mm. So it was in my nature to scramble and please. After that event, were you, were you friends? Yeah, another four years. I'll skip along a bunch of stuff and get to the, the core of it was when I, um, when I had my baby, I had a very, very challenging pregnancy. I had complete placenta previa, which means the placenta implanted over my cervix, which means I could not get near labor because if I went into labor, both uh, my daughter and I could die because there's no exit for the baby. Um, and there's also just a high risk of, of bleeding and losing the baby throughout the pregnancy. But it was not only a fear-based pregnancy in that sense, but things were happening to me. I didn't yet know I had Lyme disease. Um, I didn't yet know that I have something called Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility. Um, it means I'm really, really bendy. I have tons of collagen. And... Uh, I dislocate. So when my daughter was born, just holding my breast to breastfeed, my thumb would dislocate. I was figuring out what's going on with my body. Not to mention I'm a new mama, brand new mama. It's a lot. And her and her husband came to visit when um, my daughter was two months old. And they had an idea of what the trip should be. They were very disappointed with, with that trip. They had expectations that were not met. And they didn't communicate these expectations. They did communicate them, but I would say, I, we can't go to this restaurant because it's too fancy. <laughs> you know, we have a crying, screaming baby. And then I wouldn't hear from her until after dinner. And then she'd say, well, you know, we went to the fancy restaurant. I had been on my hands and knees scrubbing again, the apartment or the, the townhome for, for her as I'm a new mom, dislocating mm. this and that. And, and I, Lyme disease and Lyme, Lyme disease. disease. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I could tell that she was upset with me. And then they were leaving the next day. They came over to spend the morning. It was very uncomfortable. And I said, are, are you upset with me? Like, is there something going on? And she said, you're crazy. Like, I'm not upset. Like, I don't know why you would say that. And then after they left, I got the phone call. She just took apart everything that I was. She said, I don't understand why you're only showering every other day. Um, babies sleep most of the day. She doesn't have children, by the way how she thought I had postpartum. This was the first time where I was riled up and I drew lines and I said, no, this is not okay. Like this is absolutely, you are in the wrong. She kept saying that she knew more than the doctor. Well, so I told her we could tr attempt to move forward, but that 
the friendship would never be the same for me. Um, and then she was in Seattle for work a year later, a year and a half later, and wanted to see me. So I met up with her for drinks. I said, you really hurt me. I was very much in need and very vulnerable. And you kicked me while I was down. She had tears in her eyes and said, I love you so much, this and that. She went out to dinner with her friend. She gave me a hug goodbye and then deleted me on Facebook. So she deleted me on Facebook. I reached out and uh, she said, if you can't let this go in a year, you know, we're not friends. And she said, I'm done with this friendship. And she hasn't looked back. And I have to say, I feel such freedom. Oh, God, yes, of course. I think that I held on so long because she doesn't have many friends. I feel like I just like word vomited this whole like friendship and it makes no sense. It actually makes so much sense. I think that it's it it sounds okay. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you the story I'm telling myself and then I want you to tell me what re- what's what's really the story because this is my imagination. Yeah. My imagination is okay, so she hooked you with I love you and you're my best friend. Yes. And then you felt yes. and there's something that you that blinders went on, you couldn't see what was really happening and you went into a mode from childhood that's continued. And you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give love. I'm going to give love. I'm going to give love. And until she released you, you weren't able to be released. Is that, is that true? Or how would you put that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think I would have kept scrambling had she not walked away because of like the time invested and, and on a deeper level, so we talked about my father, but my mother, oof, she's tricky. My mom reminds me a lot of this friend as well. So I think that she signified both of my parents. Oh my gosh. So that's huge. Uh-huh. Oh, it's both of your both parents. Both of my parents, because my mom is the one who says, I love you. I love you. I love you. I need you. Mm. And then will cut me at the throat, you know? And so this friend was very much, I love you. I love you. But look what you've done. Why would you do that? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, my, my best friend from high school summed up my mother really well. She said, your mom would, it's like, your mom is like this. She would make a big plate of spaghetti and put it in front of you and say, eat, eat. I made this for you. Oh, I love you so much. So I made this for you. Eat. And the moment you pick up your fork to eat, she'll stab you with hers. It's like the last, I don't know, five years of my life, I have been snipping the ties that are not healthy. And I have to say that motherhood has really encourage me to do so because I don't have the effing time. But I also Lyme disease. Um, I've had to take care of me for once when I'm so used to extending myself and giving to others. 
my husband said, I, I attract emotional vampires because I give and I'm emotional, but you, you have to start giving to yourself or there's nothing to give. And so I have been dabbling in shamanism and journeying. I love it. Yes. And um, journeying to, to cut ties between people. And I took a shamanic journey and cut my ties with this friend. Could you feel a difference after that? Yes. And I said, what is yours goes to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish you nothing but happiness in your path. Mm. And what is mine, I would like returned. I love that. Who, can Where... Where where could people go to take a shamanic class or? Yeah, so I've been working with, her name is Jessica Joy. She was my massage therapist here. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does energy work. Okay. And uh, you can, she does Zoom calls now. Mm-hmm. And they're just as powerful. She'll she'll guide me through. But I did an entire course with her on finding my my inner, um, basically my inner witch. Like I call it my inner witch. I'm on my broom with you. I'm on my broom with yes. you. Yes. Just embracing my power and letting go of the things that no longer serve me. And I've journeyed and met my authentic self, and she's really freaking cool. I just, stepping into our own power—it's—it's—it it's, doesn't happen. I don't—I th- have not witnessed it just happening on its own. We have to take—we have to take steps to it. And for you, you've done shamanism, and I think that's—I just so if anyone, I just if any of the listeners are thinking, yeah. oh my gosh, how do you take? How do you step in your power? I mean, I think it's. Because I, I, I'm, I, I'm in that journey too, yeah. and we all do it in our own different ways. And I love that you found a way that and is it's also just like listening to your intuition. That your intuition is important. It mm-hmm. is a voice that is speaking to you and needs mm-hmm. to be heard. So often we poo-poo it or say, in in my case, the the mantra from my childhood from my mother is, "You're being dramatic." Um. Right. So then you Mm. second guess yourself and say, well, am I being dramatic? No, listen to that voice because it's there for a reason. Um, I'll tell you something really cool, really quickly. Uh, Last, not this past New Year's, but the New Year's before. So I'm working with my tarot deck. My tarot deck is the Tarot of Transformation. Is that the name of the deck? The tarot? Mm -hmm. Okay. And who created this? Uh, I'm not sure their names, but it is a beautiful deck I had this vision of a a picture that that was just stuck in my this image stuck in my brain and I had someone Jessica Joy say you know tarot of transformation would be a good one for you I looked it up and one of the cards was that image it's a woman hands lifted up looking up to the heavens Mm -hmm. And then roots like a tree growing down into the earth, because Mm -hmm. that's how I had been feeling like I need to be open and lifted, but, you know, part of the earth, Mm -hmm. like gaining that stability and balance and power from Mm -hmm. Mother Earth. Um, 
So I use that deck to uh, work on my own psychic mm -hmm. abilities. And so on New Year's, I had been curious, will I carry another child? And so that was my question of the deck. And the card I pulled was a bunch of eggs and it was birth into form and I'm pregnant. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't look at this as a podcast. I look at this as a cauldron um, that we all come together and that we, we create a spell of empowering ourselves so that we can yes. figure out how do we, so we can be together, <laughs> so we can be together again because we're in a pandemic and we're away from each other. And I, I, there's a, a wonderful shaman I listen to. It's called the Shaman's Cave TV. And there's two fabulous shamans. I love both of them. Um, Sandra Ingerman and Renee um, Barabo. Sandra Ingerman said the first thing she learned as a shaman is the reason why pandemics happen are because people are shooting poison arrows at each other. Uh, and I thought, well, there you go. So may we uh, all, I mean, I, anything we do is creating a spell. So how do we, so how do we create good? Well, what's interesting too is uh, on Jessica's table, I started to have a past life soul mm. retrieval out of mm. nowhere. And she was like, um, I'm going to say something to you and you're going to think I'm really, really crazy, but I'm going to say it because I'm being called to. You were a witch in a past life. And I started to shake on the table and weep. And she said, and another witch cursed you. Someone who you were close to, who you trusted, you turned around and she cursed you in the back. And I want you to know that this curse does not extend to this lifetime. But it was so, and it was so real. Mm -hmm. It is real. Um, it was also very telling of the people I've collected, the close people, like this friend, that you're close, 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 but there's this level of competition or uh, jealousy or this or that, that when I turn around, because I've, you know, she had ample opportunity to tell me to my face, when I turn around, that's when I get hit. So replaying the old curse out. Replaying that pattern of relationships and curse over and over and over again. Someone who doesn't lift up my power, but tries to take my power. Because mm -hmm. that's what the curse was, was, you know, she took my power. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this lifetime, I have been really trying to regain my mm -hmm. power. She took it and you allowed her to take it also. You... Would you say that? Would you say uh, that? Or how would you put that? With the curse, no, because it 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 was when my back was turned and she just in the past me. life. But in but the past life. But in this life, yes, I did allow her to take it. Because I wonder if there's some level of do you deserve oh, it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Um, because that's also been uh dialogue from my mother throughout the years you deserve it you deserve to be slapped you deserve to be you know this because you're selfish or you're this or you're that so so there's that element of well gosh 
maybe I deserve it. And so letting these people go, there's also this element I, I feel of forgiving yourself and giving yourself grace, right? That you couldn't be what that person wanted you to be, even if that person is not attainable. But giving yourself grace that this failed, it didn't work, you didn't, you didn't make the cut, or you hurt someone. Um, you didn't mean to, but you did, or you did mean to, and you did. But forgiving yourself. And I feel like if you don't get to that element of it, I don't think you can really move forward from the friendship if you haven't forgiven yourself and given yourself grace. I think that as individuals, hopefully we grow, right? And we change. And sometimes the people that have been along with us don't grow and change with us. Mm -hmm. And that it's okay. It's okay for a friendship to change. It's okay for a friendship to end. Um, It's okay. Especially if it means that you are going to be a better person, like your most authentic self mm-hmm. and free to be so like mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And how can we start as a culture looking at breakups, friendship breakups with uh, a respect to the individuals? Yes. And saying, you know, like I did with my, my cord cutting you, what's yours is yours. I wish you nothing but the best, but please return what's mine. And let us go on our on our on our own paths mm-hmm. um, with love and grace. I think that's the key is the love and grace. And be okay with the anger. Like with my child, I I am trying not to say one emotion is is better than another. Like it's okay to be angry. And maybe we need to feel that anger in order to get to the grace. And I, and I feel like the more people talk, right? Like, like you talk about things, you investigate. I think investigating is important. Investigation is everything. And it, it can lead to healing. Thank you so much for joining us. Please follow, rate, and review on iTunes and share with a friend who may be going through a heartache over a friendship lost.